Welcome and thanks for listening. My name is Christian Buckley, and you're listening to the Collab Talk podcast. In this episode, I'm talking with Kai Kerr, CEO of Swoop Analytics, on the latest SharePoint intranet benchmarking report and the topic of making analytics actionable. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the Collab Talk podcast, where we discuss the convergence of technology, business productivity, and collaboration culture. And my guest today is Kai Kerr, CEO of Swoop Analytics and the publisher of the annual Viva Engage and SharePoint Intranet Benchmarking Report. Welcome, Kai. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Is this the first time that uh, Viva has been incorporated into that, is, or is it just because Yammer just got rebranded? <laughs> or is it is, is the Yammer always been part of the report? Uh, so uh, it's the first time we're doing uh, SharePoint, like the intranet part of of SharePoint. Um, so that's a that's a new thing. And we started off uh, several years ago with doing Viva Engage or AK. Well, the artist previously known as Yammer. <laughs> that's right. Uh, yeah, but to, to this year is the first time we're doing. It's a, only a small data set. Like to be quite honest, we have. Um, we have seven organizations. It's about a little less than 100,000 people. Um, but um, what we found with all the other benchmarking we've done is that we've actually found out that it actually only takes kind of a thin slice of data. It's like exit polling, you know, after after an election, a, a thin slice of data. And and you and we feel pretty confident when we we're going to publish a follow up in in May next year. And we're pretty confident based on all the experience we have in this that this is not too far off the mark. Well, that's very cool. Well, we're talking today about making analytics actionable. And I think that's that's why when we had talked about this, we were down in, in Melbourne a few weeks back and talking about doing this this episode and and uh, knowing that the this annual report was getting ready to uh, to come out, we'd be able to talk about some insights. It looked like a, a lightning struck because it just got released like 24 hours ago. So <laughs> the timing was perfect. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe. Kai, why, maybe we start with some of your background and talk a little bit about what you focus on with Swoop Analytics. Sure. Um, we started about uh, eight years ago, um, and it was actually someone from, from Microsoft, um, uh, Luke Grange, you might know him. Um, he, ex, he was a Yammer CSM years ago, and he called me. I was on, at Central Station in Sydney and he said, Kai, just come out of a meeting with a customer here, and they, they, you know, they've implemented uh, Yammer, Viva Engage, and they need some numbers, you know, and we can't really do this stuff. Can you go and have a chat with them? And and so uh, several months later, we started Swoop Analytics. Um, and so we have a passion to help people become better communicators and collaborators. Um, and um, I've worked in that field for for many years. Um, and, and we co-founded the three of us that got together, our chief scientist, Dr. Lawrence Lockley, who's got a PhD in analyzing corporate social capital. So that's like the, all the relationship part about how companies fit into larger um, networks. Uh, myself, um, and uh, I've been, you know, I've been in portals and intranets and communities of practice for years. Uh, and also my life partner and wife, Marianne, who is a hard-nosed businesswoman, um, who basically, who, who's now a COO and, and, uh, and make sure the business runs um, uh, in a uh, like you know, just keeps it all on on track. 
Well, and so the why don't we talk about some of the the like let's we'll talk about some of the you know what comes out of this report. Yeah. Maybe you could give us an overview of some of like what what have you learned? What's different this year from looking at the benchmark report? Sure. So they, I'll, I'll talk broadly, but there's one coming up here um, uh, in uh, in November this year for Viva Engage, and then the one we just pu pushed out for SharePoint intranets. Uh, SharePoint is a big thing, right? So we only look at the intranet part. Sure. Um, I should say that the reason why we are publishing these reports, by the way, is if you want to make analytics actionable, there's actually a whole lot of work you have to put in to understand how the data all hangs together and start to figure out what are the problems we're trying to solve. You have to look at quite large sets of data and then figure out, start to see the pattern and say, hey, if I can see that and that, that can tell me this. And that that's kind of really helps. So one of the things we, we learned from instance from, uh, from with, with SharePoint was, well, what are the kind of things you've run? What, what, what do you want to fix? Like, what's the problem you might have with an internet that requires uh, fixing, um, uh, because I think a lot of people will come to it and say, well, we'll just use Google Analytics or whatever, something like that. It'll tell us about, you know, how many, you know, how many page views did we have? But when we talk to intranet managers, it, that's not really like, that's kind of interesting. But what they're really worried about is, for instance, putting out something that has a spelling mistake in it, right? That likes, you know, or or uh, if uh, if for instance you have some um, some pages that are out of date, have inaccurate content on them, like that's not good. So th there's some real problems there about well, is our content up to date? Is it being read by the right people? Those are the kind of things you really want to find out. So we sat down and said, well, why don't we? We could probably like we could probably look at that if you think about from an analytics perspective. We know all the content on the pages. We know who the authors are. We know whether they still work for the company, right? So maybe we can help you avoid the situation where Christian owns the remuneration page, but Christian has now left the company, and that page is not owned by anyone anymore. And actually, there's a, some new content that should have been there. You know, those things are actually analytics that power the insights that can help you fix that. So instead of just saying how many people uh, uh, read the remuneration page, what if we can say here's some things that you can go to make it better? So we look at things like um, we, uh, readability. We use something called the Lix score that calculates the complexity of the text on the page, and there's a certain rank you want to get to to make sure it's readable. Well, you've probably been at the pages, Kristen, where you know that's just text, 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 text. Uh, so we start to look at how many um, headings do you have for for the number of paragraphs you have, because people like scanning through text, and so you know, we'll make sure that the content is easy to scan through. Um, we look at things like, well, when was it last modified? You know, is it, and as it gets older and older and older, we start to give you more and more warning and say, hey, this is getting really out of date now. Do you see what I mean? Like that's kind of making that's making things actionable because you start to measure things that are actually important for the reader and the person that maintains the content. Does that make sense? It's it's kind of yep. just like what's the point of just reporting on on page views? Because if Christian sits there and goes, "I own that page. I'm going to make it look good. I'm going to take refresh, 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 refresh." You've got loads of page views, right? But they're right. not real. So we've got to be really careful about what we measure. That it's not just all vanity metrics, but it's actually something that helps us make our, in this case, our internet better. Yeah. Well, so I, I mean, I liken it to external sites whether it be to c or b to b um where the again the number of page views is not a very interesting uh, uh measurement it's the conversion activities that you really care about 
when people have actually read through something and then they take that next step and whether that a conversion activity might be to uh, download a white mm. paper or uh, to uh, register for a webinar or to fill out a form to say, yeah, have the salesperson contact me. I mean, that that is a much better metric of the success of the content that precedes it. Absolutely. And that actually requires that again, you sit down and think, what do I actually want from this? Like, what is the what is the goal? And I think that's a, that's something that I guess we can probably all, even if you think about your own website, Chris, and you think about mine, like, have we really thought this through? So what do we want people to do? Sometimes you, you think success is just getting the content out, right? But that's not that's not the the metric, and it's all right. So you're right. No, the said, metric for me for my for my website is it is it is my WordPress site hosted on an Azure, which is not something that I recommend. I'm getting ready to move it. It's just whether it's people can even get to the content uh, in in a speedy manner. Yeah, uh, that's. But anyway, that's a that's a different well, conversation. One thing I'll say. One thing we we found out, and I had to. Uh, well, first of all, we, we published this year point benchmarking report, which we can find at our website, swoopanalytics.com. Um, and uh, as we, um, as so, so one of the insights, for instance, that we get in the report was like how many people access uh, the SharePoint internet from mobile devices. And uh, and when we got the first batch of data, it was like in the high 90%. And I thought, oh, that can't be right. Like we've done some sort of math error here. Like, so big went to our chief scientist and said, hey, Laurie, what? It's like, can we have a look at the numbers? No, it's like 99 point something percent. And I went, this just can't be right. So we had this idea the whole time that we wanted to invite a, a bunch of people that we really admire and respect in this whole internet space and get their feedback on our on our findings before we publish them. And they're the likes of Sue Hanley that I'm sure you 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 know. Uh, we went out to um, James Robertson from Step Two here in Australia, to Susie um, uh, Susie Robertson and James um, and uh, Sam Marshall from Clearbox, you know. And like we went to some of the really big companies that are working in internet and say, can you just have a look at our draft findings and tell us whether or not is this really right? This with the device activity it can't be right, surely. And they basically all said, yeah, that about matches our what we would have thought as well. Like most yeah. of the time, these intranets are not really used. People are not really reading corporate news on their mobile phone. And uh, so now, whether that's going to change with Viva Connections and you get like the whole thing on Teams, and you do have to log in, log in, log in, and, you know, right. authenticate and all that too, because I think people will just get off their phone and then read the newspaper or something. It's, it needs to be really hard and easy to get to the internet content if you want people to do it on a mobile phone. So yeah. I think as um, over time, I think I would expect to see much more uh, mobile device use of the internet. Uh, but and right now, now, whether we only have seven companies, and I mentioned in the beginning, we think it's not a, we think actually based on all the benchmarking we've done before, it's, we're, I'm pretty comfortable that it'll be in the high 90s still, like in terms of mobile device access, because we had frontline based organizations and we had, you know, knowledge based organizations uh, participating. But I was just surprised that it's so high. And I, I and I, and I, and I, and I, we had one that was an interesting comment from Chris Herra, who's, um, who's um, with Comcast and he runs the whole digital channels at, at Comcast. And he was saying it was quite, a, it was a bit higher for them. He said, but they're also running it through Vita Connections. And I think that whole thing, when you can get it on on your mobile, like in Teams and it just opens up and you don't have to yep. multi-authenticate, I think that's gonna make a big difference. 
Well, it's a huge for folks that aren't aware too. I mean, uh, so before the rebrand of Eva Engage, I mean, Yammer saw a huge jump in uh, downloads and installations, a lot of interest. And what changed was the integrations uh, mm. with Teams, and more importantly, I would say Outlook. Mm. And so it improved all the notifications and made it very much a streamlined experience in between the the three platforms. I mean, that that was a, just a game changer. So I think that's also something that you're going to see adoption of you know, with the rebranding. It's, it's, it's just it, as a long time, you know, Yammer uh, fan, uh, you know, before Microsoft acquired the platform, um, a former company, you know, we were partnering with Yammer. Um, so right around the same time that uh, uh, you formed your company as well, um, we were doing some some things on the governance you know, administrative side, you know, working with, with Yammer. Um, and then they went dark, they went silent and we knew something was up and then we're surprised as everybody that Microsoft bought them as a competitive stop and to add the features. But, um, I mean, since all that it's growing again because of the rebrand, because of the integration, um, yeah. and as, which is just fantastic. It's, it's going to now, even easier to find data, you know, moving in between uh, your SharePoint teams and as Yammer um, mm. and as well as Outlook as as a way that I consume a lot of that information. Yeah. There was one thing that just talking about like, in, you know, actionables and, and, and insights that are, you know, you can really use for something. Um, we sat down and we looked at um, a lot of data on on Vila Engage to see whether we can predict whether a post is going to be, you know, go viral, you know, like, Mm. I mean viral. It's within a company, so don't think like millions and millions right. of you know. But it's like it's 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 a post that'll get a much more traction than other things, because we thought, well, if I if I know if I really look at a lot of data and I start to understand what are the what are the traits, do they share any common traits? These posts that you know, and the good thing about analytics is we can look back in time, right, and say, well, what are all the posts that that really had a lot of interaction uh, with them? What 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 common attribute do they share? And there were uh, some really basic things that, that we found, which may not be a surprise, but it's something you really have to think about when you're posting yourself. The first one is where you actually post, where you're posting this. And not surprisingly, if you want to have a lot of people interacting with you, it's going to be posted in a place where lots of people are, right? That means right. if you post in a big community, you're more likely to get more traction than if you post in a very small community. Like, duh, that sort of makes sense, right? Right. The other thing is about the person who is actually posting. The bigger network the person has who's posting, the more likely it's going to appear in the feed of other people and therefore get more traction. So those two things, that's a killer combination. You, you who have a big network is posting in a community that's big. Now, this has a big impact. For You know, uh, Viva Engage recently introduced the storyline feature, right? And, and that is a feature that has been very popular in, I guess, in cons consumer social. And I think it was inspired by Instagram and these other kind of, you know, like uh, tools. But interestingly, if you think about this in a corporate context, most people on Viva Engage don't have a lot of followers, like apart from senior leaders. But most individuals, right. if I'm just Kai, started, you know, with the uh, with the uh, Chris Buckley Incorporate tomorrow, there'll be probably a grand network of one person, which is me. And maybe I'm lucky I can get you to follow me as well, Christian. But that's kind of it, right? So I don't have a big network. Uh, so so therefore, when you're posting to your storyline, 
you really need to adjust your expectations to how much virality you're going to get from posting to your storyline. Unless you're a really senior leader where people will automatically follow you and therefore you have a bigger audience. So I think some of those things, you know, you're just going to bear that in mind in depending on what your like what your mission and objectives are, and then think about like how do I best use these tools to my advantage? Well, like like anything, I mean, it's 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 true inside Viva Engage, just like it was it's true out in public social platforms. Um, so as you mentioned, it, do post it within like think of like LinkedIn communities. You know, if you don't have a lot of people following you on LinkedIn, but you can go and post within a community, depending on the rules, whether you're a member of people of you know, like, uh, you know, similar backgrounds or interests uh, and post there, it, you might have more visibility. You can increase that if you at mention people within that who have larger profiles, more followers, and then also include hashtags. It's so critical for that to be able to find that. Because even in, in Yammer and Viva Engage, you can post things and have no followers as you're in the new corporate environment or you're a new employee, but you can go and and use hashtags and make that content much more findable. And so those are, you know, it, I find myself too, and I know that there are, um, like in writing an email to somebody, it's almost become kind of, uh, uh, people just understand or they they let it go when I use hashtags. And when I write an email, it's like, it's a hashtag to who? I'm sending an email to one person, but I use it for emphasis. And people know that like, it's okay, it's a key word. I'm intentionally putting this here for you to think about in this category. And I use it in that way. Yeah. It's almost become just an, an, an understood expression um yeah. uh, an emphasis in the way that people write but it's relevant if that content is copied and moved over and searched for on that subject in any of these other platforms absolutely you actually mentioned a couple of things things that um that we have evidence to suggest that what you're saying is absolutely right when you ask questions you get about 150 percent more replies than if you just make statements like 150% more replies. So asking questions is an incredibly powerful technique in these, whether it's on LinkedIn or it's Viva Engage, it's incredibly powerful. When you add mention people, you get about 73% more replies. Right? But it only works when you're posting the first post, not in your replies. Whereas when you ask a question, it has an impact whether you're asking questions, sorry, whether you're posting or whether you're replying. So it and and the findability. I haven't got any stats on that, but I I, I absolutely agree that you know, using hashtags uh, makes a uh, is really really good for for findability and and emphasis uh, as you should suggest. Now the downside with all this, right? And we have to talk about upsides and downsides. And I think both you and I are I'm I'm totally committed to the um, the the principles of working out loud. Uh, the responsive org, you might remember one of the uh, original um, uh, founder or co-founder, Adam Pisoni from, from the old, old, old Yammer days, sort of spearheaded that whole thing with responsive org. I love it. This whole thing about network versus hierarchy, you know, trust and openness and all. Absolutely, I totally believe in that. Um, now, we've been done in, doing eight benchmarking reports. I think the one we're coming out with this year is either the eighth or the ninth um, Viva Engage benchmarking report. And, and for me, what kind of makes me my heart bleed a little bit, uh, but I think it's almost inevitable, is that we are seeing less of the two-way communication, more, less of the knowledge sharing and a 
more of the, I would call it more of the one-way communication, a little bit more the of the broadcast. The broadcasting yeah, broadcast things. style. Yes. Yeah. And yep. and uh, and I think that's uh, now. Uh, if you look at eight years ago, uh, Viva Engage or back then Yammer was probably uh, one of the lesser used tools in, in the in the Infosys suite, as you were pointing out with the introduction of uh, different ways that you can consume the Viva Engage content, integration with intranets and so forth. That content, the visibility is going up. Corporate communicators has really latched on. Uh, all the new innovations that are coming with Microsoft, with the leadership corner, Q and A, and all those things. Amplify um, is great. Amplify yep. all those things, but it is turning it up. It, we can see that clearly from the data. It is turning it more into more broadcasting than two-way yeah. communication. Yeah. And so I think we just got to be very. Um, we got to remember that's also the one of the hero features of Viva Engage is the ability to, to create communities and have two-way conversation. So I think it's something we probably have to just, as, but I think it's inevitable that many, many, many more people using it uh, and therefore, uh, you know, people are going to find their way um, and be comfortable starting conversations online. And I think we've got to help them do that. You know what's interesting? So I have the other you know, half of my uh, podcast, my series, I interview and I publish every Monday, I interview Microsoft MVPs and we talk about like that that process. And what's uh, pretty consistent across those interviews uh, is like asking their origin story, like how did you get started? It, and it inevitably, it always starts the same way where they get the courage to go and join a community group or go and ask somebody, a fellow MVP or uh, or somebody that's with their local community uh, user group, like, hey, can I get involved? Can I, can I do some more, like to step up and do things? And one of the recommendations that I always have is that the best way if you're, if you have any interest in becoming a Microsoft MVP or, or get involved in any of these, it's, it's just to, to, to be there so one consistently like show up and and be there so they remember they recognize your face uh maybe they recognize you remember your name um but ask questions and respond and provide mm. feedback back mm. to those because i mean you know this you presented a lot of shows i presented a lot of shows a lot of conferences one of the worst things for me as a speaker is where the room is silent and there's nobody's asking questions, nobody's responding. Maybe I see some heads nodding, um, you know, like agreeing with something that I'm saying or something or other, but where there's no interaction, mm -hmm. like it's one of the worst things. Like, and so it's so important. And so that's why, again, what I say, why I brought up the MVPs and, and, and kind of mentoring MVPs is ask questions, provide feedback. You want to get recognized for some you know for somebody to to see you and and to 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 connect with you do that is is respond to their to their blog posts respond to the their sessions ask questions during their session engage with them mm. and it does feel like we're losing engagement in collaboration in general across social networks like Everybody wants to broadcast. They want to push their their content out there. They want to say something else, and they don't want anybody to respond back. You know, <laughs> yeah. if they disagree, you know, um, and and so I don't know. 
how you can encourage that other than one of the things that I loved about early on um, with Yammer, so pre and post acquisition by Microsoft, um, were these uh, uh, these Yammer, like these CSM roles. That, and, and Yammer, it was so critical that you have to all their customers, they would recommend you need to have somebody that is your uh, your evangelist for collaboration that is the your your um you know the the running yam jams now that they, they they started that and of course tweet jam became a thing as well um but somebody who's there nurturing talking with people encouraging participation is so critical to community and and so we i mean whether and I know I'm going on kind of a soapbox here, um, but you know, like, I, so I'm on the board of a user group, and so there's a core group of us, about seven, eight of us, where we're the ones keeping it alive, but we're constantly reaching out to people. We're encouraging people to come and present. We're encouraging people to step up and do more, and uh, you know, and all that. You need to have people like that within your company, to to get people to engage more. If you don't have those roles and the vast majority of companies don't have somebody in that role, it's not surprising to me that you then mm. don't get the level of engagement other than, hey, I gave a thumbs up to those three articles. Yeah, well, I, 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 I totally agree. That's, we, um, in the, uh, this is, goes back to probably seven, eight years ago. We came up with this, um, again, looking at the data, we started to look at what, what are the interaction patterns of those people that seem to have lots of networks and get involved in conversation. They, they exactly kind of the, the role model you were just talking about. And we found out that they all had this a ratio that goes something along these lines. For every time you do one post, uh, you do two replies and you do three likes. Right. So rough balance. So we call it the one, two, three rule. Um, and it's uh, it, it's not exact. It's actually the real numbers is more like one, two, ten, actually, because people yeah, do a lot more right. reactions. Right. Yeah. But if you think about as a as a rule of thumb, one, two, three, uh, one post, two replies, three likes. And what that really suggests is that it's not all about talking, which is posting. It is much about listening. It's actually way more about listening. And the only way you can show you're listening on social is by replying or by or by liking, right? Then you because you were saying otherwise it's like being a presenter and, the, and you leave the room and that's just quiet. And it's terrible. You know, like so the one, two, three rule is really good. Um so the numbers uh, can help you understand whether or not you are like do you get it roughly right? And we've certainly seen senior leaders where it's one zero zero, right? Yeah. And when it's one zero zero, it means that I've gone into Viva Engage or I've gone on LinkedIn, whatever. I've done my post and I walked away. And I probably didn't do it. It was probably my corporate comms team who did it for me. And I because and you know the, and the moment they do that, then who's going to hit reply? Who's going to like something if you didn't even do it yourself? So that's not yeah. good. And I think on the basis of this thing about how do we make metrics sort of actionable. We came up what we call the swoop personas and, and the most sort of aspirational persona when it comes to this kind of social interactions is, is what we call an engager. An engager is someone who has a balance in their interactions online. So they both post, reply, like, but they also get replies and likes coming back to them. Right. Because if you, you're always going to think about when I'm and you do that, I've seen you on stage. Right? When you when you're presenting, 
you also got to find a way engaging the audience and giving them the opportunity to engage with you. Uh, so you mentioned before online, that's about ad mentioning, it's about asking questions. And and I think that's also, if you look at the writing style uh, of people, if you write in AO, here is the quarterly update from the last board meeting or whatever, you know, like here's for you to read. If you don't really at all say, what do you think? Or, you know, oh, we're having a quarterly review meeting next month, you know, what do you think should be in the agenda? That's a great question to ask us that will involve people. But too often we see that they go into this broadcasting and they they don't even think about they don't think about how we how we built um, built the engagement the communication um, before during and after whatever we want to talk about. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, again that uh, it just goes back to that it's a it's something that is a learned skill. It takes nurturing. It takes uh, you know intentional. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, guidance, uh, you know, you, you need to make as an organization, you need to make a decision. Hey, this is something that we need to improve on mm. and give somebody as part of their job to go in to encourage people to to respond. I mean, yeah. the other side of it, and, and, and you probably remember this, it was the last SharePoint conference that was it was the one that was in Los Angeles. Uh, so 2014. I think it was right after the acquisition uh, of Yammer. So they were on the main stage and stuff on there. And they they told a story and it was, I think it was nationwide insurance. And they told a story about how uh, this woman who was new employee, was in support, was just in the call center, was answering questions. And she asked a question or posted something from a customer, something or other. She asked a question and it sat on there for like a week and no one responded to it. The CEO, uh, and and so they, and I'll tell you kind of how they interpreted this. The CEO saw that there was this response that nobody had. Then he went on there and he commented on it. And then instantly it just exploded. All these people giving their voice and things are, that, are, that are out there. On the positive side, like they related it to, you know, that video of the lone crazy dancer, the weirdo dancer at the concert and how he's dancing alone and then slowly and everybody's like, oh, that, that weirdo, they're laughing at him. And then the second person joins and then the third person and then it becomes a movement. It's a great, it's a fantastic video about community building that side of it. So they they post that as a, this positive, like, look how how flat it is and anybody can comment and all that. And, uh, but the part of the reality of that, and that was, I don't want to take away from the positive aspect of that story of that example that they shared at the conference of the power of what the platform can provide and everybody jump in there. But it also then points out that it took, is the CEO answering every un unanswered comment, you know, question that's posted out there. I'm thinking no, um, but to have, somebody that is doing that kind of thing that's looking at um and and like even responding to the question like hey that's a great question hey maybe and then cc five people over in another department or other departments like do you know the answer to this question or hey that was a great interaction with this customer um you know hey blah blah, blah that so there's somebody that's working as that you know, joining networks together. It's the network science aspect of it. There are those people that have the ability to go outside of their pockets, their communities, and bridge that and, and make introductions. They're the, the consummate networker 
and then promoting that that out there it nurturing that community aspect it's so important to absolutely and and again adoption the example you gave what the ceo is doing is giving this like psychological safety uh it is okay to respond i'm watching this like i'm i'm participating and it tells everyone you can do it too so i don't think the ceo has to do it uh, every time but actually we of course have we measured that yes we measure that too so um, we know that with senior executives post like uh, when they respond to someone else's post it lifts that person's uh, performance by i think something like 150% uh, when they when they participate so it's like rings in the water you know like the ceo does something or the senior leadership and then it just it, it allows everyone else to do it so yeah, now I, there was a study a few years back I don't know if you remember this, it was AOL actually conducted it and it was AOL where they had kind of uh, changed or they had, they, it was after they acquired uh, like HuffPost, Huffington Post and a bunch of the other media companies. And a lot of people don't realize this, that everybody thinks about the, the old AOL, but they kind of reinvented themselves and bought all these other media companies and were this advertising platform conglomerate and did very well. I think then they got bought again anyway, but they did a study looking at, um, and, and, you know, the performance of content of articles when there were people commenting and they kind of did this, the, the same thing. They said, look, if the performance of an article was very low, but when one person commented, it, like, it's like breaking the water, you know, somebody that's, mm. Uh, kicking the surface uh, surface of the water, making it so it's waving, so that the person jumping off the 50 foot cliff, the, the next one over, you know, it's not like landing on concrete; it, it it breaks it up. And they so they had this data that showed that um, that when content has that least one that one post that it leads to and, and all this other interaction and performs much much better around that. So that's something that there's a, another reason why, again, whether it's through social media or internally, like we're talking about, um, having people that are going through, making sure that there are not unanswered questions, that there are not posts without somebody, some level of interaction, because interaction begets interaction. It, it has that domino effect. Exactly. And and again, of course, that's, um, sorry, got to be right to metrics perspective, right? That's something you can measure too. It's pretty easy to go to measure, like what are the posts that didn't get an answer or didn't get any reply or like, and surface that and say, hey, there's something, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty easy to do. We do that within our platform. And it really does help community managers then say, well, I'm going to look after my community. I'm going to make sure that you know, no one is left behind. Uh, and I tag someone uh, rather than answering the question myself, or I tag someone say, hey, Chris, since you know the answer to that, even if I actually do know it, but I want to bring you into the conversation. There's actually, there's it, the good thing about where we are today, right? For everyone listening to this, that's going like, can I get in? Can I do something? Yeah, there's, it actually doesn't take a lot to really being seen as being helpful in a community. Um, yeah. So participating, um, hitting the like button, doing those things is is easy to do. We, we, and there's a there's so much room to improve here. We, um, in addition to the SharePoint internet benchmarking report and the Viva Engage benchmarking 
report. We've also looked at the broad adoption of M365, like across all the collaboration, not, not all of M365, I'm only talking about the collaboration part of right. it. So it's the, yep. it's, um, it's the OneNote, um, sorry, OneDrive, uh, SharePoint, uh, chat, calls, meetings, Viva Engage, like SharePoint, like all, all that part of it that has to do with sure. content and collaboration. And I, you can choose to be a little bit uh, discouraged, and I must admit, sometimes I'm oscillating between like, oh god, we're you know we're now in 2023, like you know, I've been working in this field in like more than 20 years. Shouldn't we be better than we are than now? Yeah, but so that's a part of me. That's that. That's the devil on one shoulder. Then the angel yep. on the other one is going like. But man, like the tools are amazing what we have at our disposal and we are getting better. We're not getting better fast enough for my liking. And the benchmarking shows that we have a long way to go. Like there's a lot of adoption and challenges we still have in front of us. But man, that's an opportunity. Uh, and just, I think we, I think that's the way you framed it, just as we were getting the chat we had before we started the recording. The opportunity we have now for the people that are going like, can I do this as well? Well, you absolutely can, and uh, and uh, there's a lot of work that needs to happen on the adoption front to get still people getting a better balance between using email and then getting them into the more collaborative parts of the suite, um, which is particularly around using Teams channels and using Viva Engage. And I would have to say, and we put that in last last reports, it is still, and I have to use the word woefully, it's still woefully low users of those places. Uh, and so we have to do more to get people in there. Uh, the the allure of oh I can just send an email because my boss wants an email and the, the that's the the lonely dancer you know like oh everyone expect right. I look like a bit of the town fool, but the benefits you get from that in terms of uh, brand building uh, and I mean stand out in a positive way but contributing to the company learning building profile. I think is a, a, a fantastic opportunity you have if you start to use these more collaborative tools. And of course, for folks that want to find out more, I'll have uh, links to the report out in the blog post and stuff in promotion of of this this episode. Um, but Kai, while I have you, I do want to like jump back to where I originally uh, was talking to you about uh, getting your input on it. So I I did have a blog series i've got one more to do to write in this series and i just need to find the time because it's going to be more detailed than the others pages in the, in the series but on measuring productivity and i talked about uh the microsoft adoption score so there's all these tools these things that are out there uh, but they're dis they're disparate they're they're disconnected the adoption score you've got the various microsoft 365 uh, uh, you know, uh, usability usage reports and things that are out there. Um, you've got Viva Insights. You've got other tools that you can use PowerShell and Power BI to, to go and get more granular, da granular data points, things that are captured by the graph. Um, you have forthcoming, you've got Microsoft uh, Copilot. I also did a, a post on uh, third-party tools like my company, Rencore. Our, our uh, governance tool provides another, another layer where people, and I've had conversations when we were down at this event in Melbourne, I've had plenty of people ask the same thing. I've gotten feedback on my individual posts saying, yes, but how do we pull all those things together? What's the right way to pull all those things together to measure productivity? And 
well, I don't want to wreck like my, my next post. I want to ask you, I mean, what is the right answer to that? Like how, what's a, how does a company approach measuring productivity? How would you answer that? Okay. So oh, now I think we've got to be really careful here. Like things like um, co-pilot are fantastic for individual productivity, right? There's no undoubtedly, and I'll be just, I think all of us, we were even playing with chat GPT together. Um, undoubtedly as a personal productivity tool, awesome. Like I can do things faster and, and, and better with that. Does it help me collaborate? I don't think yeah, so. Not, uh, no, no, not uh, it's that's, it, that's it, not really no, it's it's not it's the purpose. purpose. No, it would never. But it, I mean, the, I guess the, the theory of it, but that's that's part of the the the, the point. And like yeah. again, like my my answer for that is, uh, well, first I would answer it the the um the the way that every consultant answers any question, which is it depends. <laughs> <laughs> but. I, you know, think of a lot of that, like the co-pilot specifically, even Viva Insights are more to do with the personal productivity um, yeah. and anonymize the team level, but it's limited, it's, it's uh, you know, view into that. Um, but that's a way that you can, and, and the co-pilot, just like using some of the PowerShell and the other, other tools going digging deeper is when you want to look at specific data points and compare them to yourself or, or to build easier, I look at Copilot because a lot of the demos are fantastic. I want to be able to go and enter in, look at these three spreadsheets, and mm. then tell me what I need to know, what's important about them, yes. what are the trends that you see, the yep. highlights and things that are out there. So it'll be a great way to do the analytics part of it or the yep. the you know the the visibility into yeah. the data that's being compiled. But you know, the, the rest of it is, I mean, where I start the conversation is that what do you, what's your goal? Like, what are you, what are you trying to, what outcome are you looking for from this? Mm -hmm. Because that's, because if you're, if you're looking at, well, we're trying to get better license usage, we want stronger adoption across the various tools. That's different from saying like, I'm a, we're a company that, that creates widgets and we create 20 a month that we want to create if we collaborate better we can our output increases to 25. Mm. well both of those are productivity focused improving adoption across the tools improving the output as a company are both worthy goals but very different yeah steps forward and to, to measure those two things. Yeah, I, I think the reason why I asked the question, does ChatGPT help us collaborate better, is because it's not this, it wasn't really designed for that, right? So it's designed for help uh, Christian write something better, or, you know, that's well, certainly the generative uh, AI uh, part of it. Now, if you then say, well, what is it the whole Microsoft M365 suite is about? Well, it's a core part of the whole ROI for M365 as outlined by the Forrester, you know, that report they always do about the total economic impact of, you know, the different things that they study. And the, the total economic impact study on M365 had this example company uh, of 5,000 people, and they said the ROI is you know really high with M365, with something like you know 35 million dollars over three years, you know, for this company. But of the 35 million dollars, the 22 million, 22 million out of 35, was from improved collaboration by using all the M365 
product to collaborate better. Now that means, so now we are focused naturally on team performance. And we're talking about productivity. We're talking about how do you work together as a bunch of people that are trying to achieve an outcome. Now, if you then go back and look at the research, and there's some beautiful research out of the UK, I think they call the, the Human Resource Development Institute. I'll, I'll find the link and, and make sure you get it so you can put it as a resource to this article or this podcast. They outline uh, based on all the, the they've done like a meta research study on the on the on the uh, differentiators between high and low performing teams, right? And high performing teams that really collaborate well together have a set of core characteristics that they share. There's high psychological safety. Everyone in the teams like talk to each other. Think about a network of tightly connected people. So the uh, and that's just two of the examples. And I think when we look at well, how do we measure productivity? Well, given if you think about M365, it does become how well are we using these tools to generate a collaborative outcome. So I don't really care about what tool you're using. Like it's probably the combination of tools, but I want you to use the tools that are best used for driving team collaboration, which means I don't I don't really want to see someone whose profile across the use of M365 is purely using email. We know email is not like when when Forrester came up with that $35 million and the 22 was associated with the collaboration, that didn't come around because they're using email. Actually, if you're using email, why on earth did you buy N365? Like it's, you know, you could have gone with something way cheaper if you're just using email. So, and also chat is has become like the replacement in a way. And it is, I love chat, I use it a lot. But we can't just go with email and chat. That's not how we get to the $35 million in ROI that Forrester talked about. It is the combination of channels, of Viva Engage, of SharePoint, and of course, still using email call chat meetings. But it's the combination of it. So I think really when you think about measuring productivity, and especially I'm talking about the collaborative, the collaboration part of it, um, then we got to we got to measure how people are using this combination of tools, the habits um, that they form. So, am I someone who has a, a um, am I someone that just works in OneDrive and chat and email? And I think I, I broadly call them the knowledge hoarders. Like you know them, right? They just they would never put anything up; anyone else can see it. So, the knowledge hoarders are email, chat, and OneDrive. The knowledge sharers, the people that just cannot. <laughs> they cannot stop posting on Viva Engage. They will insist on having a Teams channel and they will absolutely put it on SharePoint. They're almost the, the exact opposite than the knowledge sharers. Now, I'm not saying one is right or one is wrong. I'm saying it's probably need to be somewhere in the middle for most people. And I think those are the conversations we need. We need to stop talking about how many emails have you sent. It's okay to send the email. It's just not okay to only send the emails, right? right. <laughs> so I think talking about collaborative performance and, and measurement and productivity, we must distinguish between individual productivity and chat GPT is great for all that kind of stuff. But when it comes to collaboration, it is a, it's a collaborative activity. We must use the tools that are best um, set up for doing that. And we must find a way and a balance in doing that. And the M365 benchmarking report we came out with found that only 5% of teams, like I'm not talking about not Microsoft Teams teams, but groupings of people that have been put together. When we looked at, we looked at more than 5,000 of these departments of, of varying sizes, or more than five people in them. Only 5% had consisted of people that have similar collaboration practices. 
Like the other 95% had people, you can imagine them, Christian, imagine you and I working together. I'm the knowledge hoarder. I like chat, email, you like, you sent me an email and you're the one said, no, 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 Kai, you've got to come to the community. You've got to contribute. You're going to share. You My email I, responses would just be a link to the, uh, the yes. Viva Engage <laughs> well, you go, email right. host. <laughs> but can you see like companies like where they- redirection. It's re yes, I'm just redirecting, gently redirect. And that's what we have, we, and we, we got to do more of that redirection. But can you imagine the teams where people don't agree on how we're going to be collaborating? That is one of the big issues we are, we are we're going to be facing. And, and you and I have to keep on the brave battle and keep on educating people and getting them towards better collaborative practices. Well, like everything too is that uh, on that, uh, because I, I think that the question, it's funny, a bunch of Microsoft executives, they hate this, that it's still floating out there, the which tool to use when. And my response to that is you know, kind of what you just just said is that like use the right tool for the right for the purpose. But in a lot of cases, it doesn't matter. You know, like use the 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 thing that's appropriate at, at the time that you're comfortable with, and like it, it's not that it's wrong. We can iterate, we can learn, we can move it. And so I'll often do that and say, hey, we've got this in a one-on-one -on -one chat. It really should be over in a yes. channel conversation. So let's just move it over to the channel conversation. Redirect an email or say, hey, this is let's just we don't need to. We're we're writing a lot. Let's just jump on a call, a video chat. Let's record it and just save it here also in the channel. Let's mm. do a channel recording, do a channel meeting, capture it for everybody else around this. So there's ways to do that to redirect. So it's kind of the judo. It's the redirecting the, the exactly. other person's momentum. Exactly, you know? exactly. So, that's a, maybe that's what something that we should come up with. There, there it's we're collaboration judo. That yeah. should be a thing. You know? <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, Kai, really appreciate it. I know the, I'm sure we could talk for hours about this stuff. So I love this subject matter as well. Really appreciate your time though. Always great to connect and hopefully see you at one or two of these events coming up. I'm sure we will. You've been listening to the Collab Talk podcast. New episodes are published weekly, and you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and most other podcast platforms. Thanks for listening.